0: Welcome to the Millennial Falcon Podcast, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and with me as always are my two co-hosts.
1: I'm Huai Chen Bu, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York. And I
2: am Anya Crittenden, a writer and
1: editor in Los
2: Angeles. So, guys, I have a, I have a little I've little something to sing you today. Yes? yes. Is, it, is it our birthdays? It's not. I hope not, or I missed the memo. What are you going to sing? Toss a coin to your Witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty. Toss a coin to your Witcher. (laughs) Yasker's come to play. (laughs) Because this week we are talking about The Witcher, uh, the new Netflix series that debuted at the end of last year, I believe. I believe it's a 2019 show, technically. It is. Yes. Um, and this what? Series?
0: We we're, we're not recording a movie review because it's January. And movies suck this month. Yup. There so are we're no good
2: Witcher. movies. We're talking Witcher. Talking TV instead. Excuse me. Whew. Okay. Hold on. It was a night last night, guys. I'm recording this a little tired and hungover, so excuse the yawns.
1: <laughs> it's fine, Vol. Although I'm sure. Geralt of Rivia would not approve. He
2: he he would
0: not absolutely approve. He would absolutely (laughs) approve of getting drunk. That's That's true.
2: That's true. That's true. Anyway, so Netflix debuted their first season of The Witcher, based on the book series by the Polish author Andrzej Sapkowski. I'm probably butchering that name. I'm very sorry. Um, hey, there's a Z in there, but that's okay. It's very close. There's a Z, but you don't always pronounce the Zs in Polish. There's also a
0: J, so who knows? Who yeah. knows? If anyone was
2: the um,
0: correct pronunciation for Andrzej, that'd be great.
2: <laughs> it, it was, so So the, the book's by Polish author A. Sapkowski. Mm, very,
0: um, very distinct
2: set in the fantasy realm of the continent and following the main character, Geralt of Rivia, who is a witcher, uh, who is a human with supernatural abilities tasked with hunting down monsters and slaying them, uh, in the land of the continent. Um, witchers are, are heavily judged in society and, uh, distrusted. Um, and that is the character that we follow played by Henry Cavill in the series. Um, it's also known for being a big big video game franchise, which uh, came off of the books. And now it is a very successful TV show, of which Netflix has released the first season. The second season is, I believe, either already filming, or at least in pre-production.
0: I believe uh, they begin filming in 2020, and 2021 as a release.
2: Okay, yes, so that's I as well. So we're going to be talking about uh, the first season uh, this week in our review slot and there will be spoilers but first let's do it like we do our movies and just talk about general impressions of the show HD, why don't you start us off
1: Ooh, so I actually haven't talked too much about my um, sort of take on The Witcher, uh, which is a show that I actually quite enjoyed, despite some uh, shortcomings I have with it. Uh, so this is a show that I, I started watching because of the memeification of the song Toss a Coin to Your Witcher, uh, which was incredibly catchy, and I was like, okay... I am interested in the series that people are raving about even though the show itself seems so dark and brooding and uh in the in the vein of like a Game of Thrones knockoff. And um I even though I didn't think the first episode was very good, I couldn't help but continue watching. And um I still don't I still can't say that this is a good show, but it is a highly entertaining one because of the incredible seriousness that it approaches these sort of camp um elements and i think that it is it can't be it's a it's a campy show and whether it's intentionally so or unintentionally so that's up for discussion but i enjoy it because it's kind of like it's a show that takes so seriously these elements that are a little bit ridiculous and a little um over the top and um i think that that sort of heightened um sort of, uh, element of the series makes it really entertaining to watch despite some of the less than great writing, um, and, uh, the sort of confusing, uh, three timelines that are interwoven throughout this series. I think that the time, I didn't realize until about halfway through the series that it was three timelines, and I think that the series could have, uh, relayed that a little bit better. And uh, the writing itself feels very much like sci-fi channel sci-fi series or fantasy series, given like an extraordinary budget. Um, And uh, it's a show that looks great, and I think sometimes uh, is a little bit heavy on the gratuitous violence. But um, the characters are pretty fun, um, especially the character of Yennefer. I found her to be the most compelling of all of them. I found, at the beginning, Geralt to be a little bit boring until I realized that he was just kind of like the grumpy dad of this found family who just kind of end up attaching themselves to him. And then he became much more interesting by virtue of like the ridiculous characters that he surrounds himself by, uh, around, especially uh, the bard, J- Jasker? Yaskier, 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 Yaskier. Um, who I found incredibly enjoyable. Like once he was introduced in episode two and was just so uh, ridiculous and silly and campy, I was like, okay, so this is what the show is supposed to be, and um, I was in it from then on. But I will say, I don't think it's like I did have my problems with it, and I don't think it's like the most the most smoothly uh, executed show. But, um, and for like the majority of watching it, I was like, is this show good? I don't really know. But I did enjoy it for a lot of the time. And I really actually quite enjoyed sort of the um, subtly comedic performance that Henry Cavill gives to Geralt and his many varying hmms and grunts. So that's uh my sort of lukewarm take on the witch, which I know uh, Anya is a uh, maybe maybe seething over, maybe disappointed over, because I know she absolutely adores this show, and um, I I can see why. <laughs> but uh, for me, it was uh, a lot of elements didn't completely work together. But just like the overall camp factor, I think really balances out the the show's shortcomings. So. Uh, to give the, the very opposite reaction to me, I want to know Anya, uh, Anya's takeaway from The Witcher, what she thinks of The Witcher.
2: Sure. Um, so I, I, as HT hinted at, I loved, uh, The Witcher. I loved it so much. Um, and I will get into why. Um, but I will first start off by saying I had no interest in the show at the very beginning. You know, we had Henry Cavill in the wig and we all made fun of it. And I knew it was a video game series. I did not know it was a book series. Um... I had thought it was much, it was sort of more sci fi fantasy, and that is less appealing to me. Um, and so I was just kind of like ambivalent about it. And then the first season happened, uh, was released really on Netflix, and everyone started recommending it to me. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll give it a try. And what I didn't realize is that it is very traditional high fantasy, which is, I love high fantasy, um, you know, very traditional stuff where there are courts and knights and princesses and warring kingdoms and elves and dwarves and all of these things, which this show has in abundance. And I didn't realize like just how, how tropey it was and how much it was like that genre that I grew up loving. And so once I realized that I was like, oh my God, this show was made for me. Um, and I adored it. Um, I think, Everyone is entitled to their opinion. Obviously, I think HT. I think you are just wrong. I think the show. <laughs> I, I, I say that. I say that not to say like your opinion is wrong, but to say that your your uh, the fact that you are unsure about whether or not the show is good, I think is selling the show very short, and I think is missing a lot of what the show does because I think the show is actually objectively genuinely a good show because i think the fact is that it is campy and it knows it's campy and it leans into its camp and it is not doing it in a way where it's like you have to guess whether or not it's campy it knows what it is and that's part of what i love about this show is that tonally it strikes a balance really well between camp and seriousness, and it knows when certain scenes call for camp and when scenes call for a more serious tone, and it treats both of those things with equal respect. Like, it is, it enjoys its camp, and it knows that it's campy, but it also understands that there are more serious elements that should also be given their due weight. Primarily, I would say with Jennifer's storyline in season one, which I thought was handled really beautifully, And so I think the show is actually really good and really smart. I disagree with people who don't like the multiple timelines. I think that it was done very cleverly. And I think the fact that you didn't get it at first is fine because I think that a show shouldn't uh, shouldn't have to kowtow to its audience or, you know, spell things out for them all the time. And I think that you are able to get the fact that there are multiple timelines by about episode three, four, which is when you're supposed to get that. And I think, you know, then they make it very clear. And then you start putting all the puzzle pieces together. And I like that it's a show that doesn't like doubt my intelligence as a viewer. Um, so yes, I really love this show. And a big part of it is because of our showrunner, who is Lauren schmidt uh, Hisrich, who the fact that we have a woman running a traditional high fantasy show means so much to me and you can see it in the show in the fact that there are so many great female characters who are portrayed with a lot of empathy the fact that we have people of color in a traditional high fantasy series which is a genre that used to be dominated by only straight white men like specifically and we have so many women of color in this show and it is so wonderful to see and they occupy so many different varying roles and I think that uh Lauren Schmidt, uh, Hissrich has, you can feel her love for the show when she talks about it, when she acknowledges shortcomings of the first season and how they might change things in season two, and the absolute joy she gets from making the show, and the joy she gets from the fans, and you know, being very forthcoming about the process of the show. Um, I just think it is something that's really special, um, and made out of a lot of genuine love. I also think it's Henry Cavill's best role in years. Uh, because the thing about Geralt, like H T said, is that you think he's going to be one thing at the start, and then you realize that he's actually a lot more forthcoming and funny as a character, and he has a lot more heart in him than you initially realized, and you realize that with his feelings for Yennefer, um, with his... Feelings for Yaskir in a way He can be a bit of a dick to Yaskir When Yaskir doesn't warrant that um, And I'm obviously already like Very much all about Geralt and Siri And their father-daughter relationship And how pure it's going to be um, So yeah So I think the show is very good And I think it's very smart And I think people are selling it short By just saying oh it's a campy Ridiculous fantasy show Because I think there's a lot more to it Than that um, Although its camp is also fun, and it knows that it's campy, like I said, but it it is it is a multitude of things.
1: I and do wonder if it knows that it's camp though, because I kind I of I think it does. Okay, yeah, because I think that like sometimes when I've read like interviews with the with the showrunners or with the songwriters for the song, I feel like they're approaching it from like a very sincere angle, and I wonder like whether the but show's that camp. be campy. Yeah, I mean like the whether I it's camp or that- not is like uh is very much um. I think very clear it is camp, but whether the showrunners are intending it to be camp, I think is a bigger question Um, because you can like go into something with a very sincere sort of approach and it can still end up camp and that, and it is camp definitively. But um, I do wonder like whether they know it, because I think that sometimes the show approaches it with like this, the show approaches its tone with this, this really serious, somber sincerity that I don't know if it completely embraces its camp factors and whether that's just like an, almost an accident, accidental thing that the camp comes out. But um, I do think that's, like, maybe why I don't really – I wasn't really as warm to the show as, as you are because I was like, oh, it, it's campy. But I don't know if it knows it's campy, which is why, like, I enjoy it for the camp elements. But sometimes it takes itself a little too seriously where I'm just like, but you should just lean into that camp more and uh, not try to just be, like, as dark in Game of Thrones as uh, as it's – I was intent as it was at the beginning. I think that the first half of the, the series was a little bit weaker than the second half, too.
2: Yeah, I I, I just have to fundamentally disagree. Mm-hmm. I think sincerity and camp are not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. I think that there are plots in The Witcher that deserve complete sincerity and seriousness, and not to go into camp. Um, again, especially with Yennefer um and i think when there is camp i think the show is very aware of it i mean i just think about the time the first time that Gareth and yennefer meet and they hook up and yasker and the elf who was in love with yennefer like find them in the ruined castle and i'm like that is such a campy scene and the writers absolutely know it and they're leaning into it and having a lot of fun with that scene and i i just even even yeah,
0: this is this is a little bit of a spoiler, but when Yennefer is having sex with her mage fr- uh, friend and they've, like, summoned these fake people to watch them have sex, that's very campy. Mm-hmm. And right. I think it's it's treated as, as a semi-joke, but also, like, a fun little, like, this is what they can do with magic while they're having sex.
2: And, I and also, also to show, mean,
0: like, how powerful they are.
2: Right. And I also wouldn't want the show to be just, like, 100% campy and that's, like, that's all that is and all they're going for because... Uh, I think there is seriousness in this story and I think that that also deserves to be explored and I think you can have both of them coexisting in the show and I am just really into the show and I'm like but I remember how into Game of Thrones I was for the first three seasons so I'm just like the Witcher please don't betray me like Game of Thrones did I'm so scared of that.
1: (laughs) But we haven't talked about um, what Willoughby thinks of the Witcher yet so Willoughby what are your thoughts on the Witcher?
2: So,
0: HT, you came to this show because of the viral song. Anya, you came to this show because a lot of your friends were recommending it to you because it was extremely your shit. Um, I came to this show because I saw a Twitter thread that compared Carol of Rivia and Yaskir the Bar to Shrek and Donkey from <laughs> DreamWorks Shrek 2001. Uh, Best Animated Picture winner. Um and it was like a side by side comparison with like screenshots from the movies and that sort of that literally sold me on watching the show because i do love the idea of like a brooding strong guy who's like you know trying to be left alone and like a fun quirky best friend bard that is annoying but also like fun to be around and the two of them like i always i like that 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 duo uh trope Um, And that's probably because Shrek left such an imprint. Uh, By the way, right before recording this podcast, my girlfriend and I did watch Shrek. It is on Hulu. um, Because last night we had a fun Jackbox party uh, post a -a Lunar New Year dinner at a friend's house. And we were just like doing Shrek and Witcher memes and Jackbox. It was very fun. Um, But yeah, so I came to this sort of from also like Twitter's obsession with the show in a very sp- specific and niche way. Um, but I but my girlfriend and I watched the show and we we I really like it. Um, I don't think I'm fully in love with it as you are Anya, but I'm definitely m- more in love with it than you are HT. I I think I see I see like the issues that you have with the show. And I sort of am more like, well, I think they're, I think it is camp and I think it is sincere when it needs to be. And I think it it walks that line uh, specifically with Yennefer's storyline, which is very, very serious. Um, but also like Yennefer ends up having a lot of fun uh, later on in the back half of the series, um, of the season, I should say. Um, and I love Geralt as a character. I love the characters. I think one of the things about about fantasy that you have to get right to have an have an have an audience invested in it is the characters and I think they are well drawn and I think they are um appropriately fun when they need to be but also serious when they need to be I like that Geralt is sort of this unstoppable force and Yennefer sort of an immovable object and the two of them meet and they have sex and it's very fun um and their relationship is very fun um and And, like, they're sort of, like, these quote-unquote immortal beings because, like, at one point you realize that Yennefer's been around for, like, 30 years and she hasn't aged a day and so has, like, Geralt. And they're just, like, these, like, two lonesome souls who have met, which is really kind of cool. And And
2: then they're going to become mommy and daddy to a princess.
0: And Yaskier is there, too. (laughs) Um, And I think that I like the like the the three timelines, uh thing i knew going in that there were three timelines um my girlfriend had told me she had found out from like someone who was watching the show so like we had that knowledge in the back of our heads that there are going to be th- like three characters who have different timelines and the f- I, the fun of it watching the show was sort of seeing like like the the clues that we can pick up on of of the how the three timelines work. because at first I have no I had no idea what the fuck was going on the first episode I must agree is sort of a bit of a downer like it like it's a pilot but it's sort of a rough takeoff and I think season two, episode two, see uh, episode one two sorry I can't talk today episode two is a much stronger episode in terms of like bringing in Yaskier and bringing in sort of more of what the show is really gonna be about. And like the the first episode really sort of set up Geralt and who he is because we don't even get to Yennefer except until the the second episode. There's just so much to go through. Um and I think that they sort of like they 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 like rattle off names of places and people and characters and kingdoms and it sort of all goes over your head. And at first I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm in it for the ride. I want to see where this goes. I don't really, I'm sure this will all be explained. Like it's very like, it throws you into the deep end like right away. And I'm just like, cool, let's see where it goes. And eventually everything did sort of click into place. And it was really fun to like watch a scene from Geralt's timeline. And then like it goes to Yennefer's uh, storyline. And you realize like that's 30 years in the past or something. And you're just like, what? and i think that's sort of fun and neat and to see where things are going and like the kingdom of nilfgaard and you see like that rise and like the sort of like uh threat uh oncoming threat of that of that kingdom and i do kind of love that the continent is just called the continent they're just like fuck it we don't have a name for it we're just gonna call it the continent and like the little kingdoms are gonna be like their own thing and i'm just like that's fun you don't have to like you know, every, not not everything has to have, like, an explanation or something. So I think that that's cool. And, like, we have to realize this is based on a lot of what the season is based off is short stories from the books is what I've looked into. And so, like, the fact that it's not all conjoined is sort of – I wouldn't say the point, but it is sort of – what if, if you know the source material, you realize that they, these are sort of stories that are being told. And it is a very episodic show, even though it is – it does have a, a very serialized arc uh, at the end – um and i think season 2 uh we'll get into spoilers but i think season two will be much more of like a contained storyline probably um
2: and yeah, Lauren Schmidt, um has rich has already confirmed that season two with one timeline um yeah. obviously our main trio like are not going to always be together but it's going to be linear linear storytelling in season two
0: Mm -hmm. which can be probably
2: helpful for people who
0: weren't cool cool with the timelines which it's fine i like that it's sort of a setup for a bigger season two um and I, i i i really enjoyed it i had a lot of fun watching the show um and i like the you know it's also based on a video game series so it's sort of got that i wouldn't say fetch quest but definitely has like this is when Geralt gets a power and he powers up and he can fight the monsters. And then he brings the monsters and he gets the money. And you can see sort of like a video game element of it coming into play. Um, Some of the choreography
2: sort of, is, is oh, stunning for the yeah, fighting. The, the actions,
0: the action's really good. There was a, a great one take in the very first episode, which is sort of it, the, which sort of shows off the prowess of Geralt of Rivia's uh, powers. And which is very cool. Um, I hope they have a bigger budget for more monsters in season two, because I think it's always fun to watch Geralt try and fight a monster. There's something, probably because it's based on the video game, but sort of just, like, clinically fun to watch.
1: See, that's my Uh, least favorite part of the show. The monsters. Uh, Yeah, that's
2: that's my least favorite part, because I'm just like, I just want to watch Geralt and Yennefer be mom and dad to Ciri. That's, like, all I care about.
0: That's great. That's great. But I like the idea of Henry Cavill, who is a big boy he's a big man and then fighting <laughs> monsters that are just like 10 times bigger than he's
1: so big that he just, wore out several of his uh leather armor uh he costumes did. that he that got, they made he did. for the show he's
0: got, he's got big chris hemsworth and thor energy where like chris hemsworth notoriously uh uh couldn't wear the suit very well and in, in thor in 2000, the first Thor, because his muscles were too big, and so in the Avengers, Joss Whedon and this costume designer gave him sleeve a sleeveless uh, look because his muscles were too rippling. And so, like the same goes for Henry Cavill. He, he's just a like an impeccably hunky man uh, going off going up against the even like bigger creatures, and that's just sort of fun to see. Like he's just being tossed around and then fi- ultimately wins. But ultimately, like but like the storylines of Geralt and Jennifer and Siri together that's going to be fun in season two and I have I have hoped that it's going to be a fun season um I like the 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 fandom culture memeification of it all on online and stuff I think it's fun because like and that's the other uh I, I think it's just sort of like all like fun like everyone's sort of in on the joke of it being like kind of campy and I like that um and I can't uh I am very uh I'm very glad that, uh, yeah, f- like the female characters are not like inundated with sexual assault like other fantasy shows. Like, and yes, very much so. I, it's, it's it's good that 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 it, this is the case. Um, it's yeah. Um, what else can I say? I don't I, I don't know. I I had fun with it. It was entertaining and yeah. I think. I think I want to watch it a second time to see if it's, quote-unquote, a good show. Like, well, I I mean, like, some of the dialogue was a little clunky, but I want to go back and see if that was because I just didn't know what the fuck was happening because they do throw you in the deep end. So maybe now that I have no more knowledge of what this realm is doing, the three timelines, maybe it'll make more sense on a second rewatch. So I'm sort of excited to go back and do that. Um, But other than that, yeah. Do we want to talk about... um, do you want to go into characters? Do we want to talk about Geralt? Girl? Geralt? And Jasker.
1: Jasker, the best character.
2: Um, Although Yennefer. Yennefer,
1: too. Actually, Yennefer is the best character. Yennefer is the
2: best character. <laughs> they're all wonderful. But the, the interesting thing about Yasker,
1: and Lauren
2: uh, Schmidt has talked about this, is that in the books, Yasker's character is actually pretty kind of creepy and almost a little misogynistic because mm. um, he's like a big womanizer. And Lawrence Smith has talked about taking that character and trying to uh, make him, you know, more, like, feminist and, you know, still bring his charm and his wit and his humor um, and the fact that he does very much love women um, but, you know, take away the sort of creep, stalkery element of that in the books. Um, and I think they did a good job because Yaskir has clearly become a standout um I think he's really charming. Um, I, I adore him. I don't love him as much as everyone else does. Um, I think he's really, really lovely and fun, and I want him to stick around as Uncle Yasker. But I'm definitely much more like I'm. A, I'm very much about the trio of Gerald, Jennifer, and Siri.
1: I mean, Yasker um, is really mu- very much like the comic relief, like by yes. taking away they they turn him into the buffling bumbling buffoon which is like really endearing and makes him makes his more womanizing ways much more like not forgivable, but like much more easier to just kind of take in stride. To it. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And so like it, it, and he's just so funny. Like I, I enjoy a lot of his scenes. I think that he's hilarious, and he's very so good. Yeah, and um, I, I do think like I guess like if there was too much of him, it would be like overload because he would Agreed. become the comedy mule. But um, yeah, I think he's the one like that really injects some sort of the fun into the witch into the Witcher um but yeah yennefer is the one that like is a really compelling character more so than um and that kind of kept me watching at the beginning of the series which um i think that like by keeping the characters separate for so long it kind of dragged the the momentum of the series up at the beginning a little bit and um i was I was ha- happy when like they finally kind of re- like unite at the end, but I wish we got a little bit of that sort of found family stuff a little earlier because having them separate for so long at the beginning I was like wasn't an- I wasn't really sure about um which characters about the characters until like they started to bounce off each other, especially um Geralt who is kind of boring by himself until he has Yaskier there just kind of um chipping away at his stoic personality and I, I enjoyed that dynamic a lot. But Yennefer is a really strong character on her own. I really liked her um, arc right from the beginning.
2: She's, yeah, she's a beautiful character and the performance is stunning. And I just think, I love how how messy and ruthless she is and how how raw she is as a character and that she is, you know, brutal at times and, you know, nasty. And I just, I love her because she has all these sharp edges. Um but her knives are out. <laughs> yeah, they are. And that's why I love her discussion um later in the series when she talks about wanting to have a child uh with Geralt, because that is a choice that's taken from her. Uh she makes a certain decision uh to change her appearance. Um and in doing so and transforming her body, uh she is left um unable to produce a child. Um, And I like her discussion with Geralt about that, because I love her line where she says, I just want to be important to someone, because she's never been important to someone. Um, Although she doesn't realize it, but she actually has become important to quite a few people, um, including Tasea and Geralt. So, you know, she has has become important, um, but she doesn't realize it quite yet. Um, And I thought that was just, like, a beautiful scene, and... It, it reminded me a little bit almost of the terrible Joss Weed, and Natasha stuff in Age of Ultron, but like handled yeah. well. Like this is how you actually handle was, something like that. I wanted
0: to, yeah, I wanted to bring, I kind of wanted to bring that up because it was sort of, I don't, I, I will, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I, I liked her storyline. It was a very gratuitous scene and I was a little worried that that was sort of borderline bad. And I wanted to like get, which women womens the fit the part where they took her okay spoilers and also explicit content um they took her uterus out and mm-hmm. and absolutely like crushed it into like weird magic and that turned her into like it got rid of her hunchback and her like quote-unquote deformities um and and so, th- just like the gratuitous nature, like we saw it on the table and that was very, very disturbing. And I just wanted to like, was that uh, gratuitous and or exploitative in your guys' opinion? Because I like, I was sort of uncomfortable with it just because of like the graphic nature, but that's just because no, of the graphic scene. I,
2: I, no, I like that it was explicit because I want you to be uncomfortable. I want you to be uncomfortable with the fact that women's bodies... Are treated like this even in real life and that uh you know they can be seen as as vessels or something to be manipulated and that women themselves are conditioned to want to manipulate their own bodies and like you know what brings jennifer to make that decision about herself um so no i like that it was what's it because i want you to be uncomfortable i want you to understand the pain that jennifer is going through Um, and I didn't find it gratuitous. I found it, I found it just honest. And I found that it, it didn't, it wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything. Um, and I feel like it made you understand the gravity of the decision and what Yennefer has suffered. Um, so I, no, I never found any of it. I actually didn't find this show, people had warned me about like the nudity and the violence and I didn't find any of it very gratuitous because I thought a, it was all shot very well like I thought it was all shot from a female gaze which again it's helped by the fact that we have a female showrunner but like all mm-hmm. the times when Jennifer is nude in the series like I didn't find any of it gratuitous or exploitative or like male gazey um and I, I found it actually sort of empowering um and so yeah
1: Yeah, I didn't actually have a problem with the nudity in this series. Um, I did think it got a little hyper violent sometimes, but I'm also very squeamish, so that's just on me. Um, (laughs) But uh, I that scene, while hard to watch, I don't think was exploitative, and I actually that was one of the scenes that was uh, really striking to me because I really liked how they um, juxtaposed her her scene, her body getting changed with the fight scene between Geralt and I can't remember the creature's name, but like. the one that the woman, the princess that had been cursed into a monster, and it was kind of like a a birth, a birthing for both of them, and I actually quite liked that um, imagery. Agreed. So that was one That's of the cute. scenes where I was like, oh, okay, this is like, I I like this, I really like this the imagery in this in the series. That uh, that was a good scene, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I I thought it was good. I do have take some issue with sort of Yennefer's. Um, Being like, they took away my choice and I was like, girl, you did that yourself. (laughs) Yeah,
2: well, that's why I like her line about being important to someone actually Mm -hmm. even more than the choice line. Because I'm like, they did tell you before you made decided to transform yourself that you would not be able to have children anymore. So like you did knowingly make that choice. I get that maybe it does change. Later in life, and that you maybe regret it, but that is what you have to live with. Right. I thought it was like it was 30, 30 years later. She yeah, was, right. You know, people and change. And evolve. Right, and I understand that she regrets that, but it is a decision she made. So, <laughs> like, but I thought her line about like I want to be important to someone. I thought that was very powerful because she'd been so used to being to being used to being looked down upon. You know, her parents. Her dad literally sold her, and then she found out like the first man who like you know, paid attention to her and, you know, became her lover and stuff, ended up betraying her. And, you know, while she and Tessaya end up having a really beautiful relationship, it was hard for Jennifer to trust her at first. And so all these people, you know, have made it really hard for Jennifer to trust um, and feel beautiful or important in the world. And so I, I understand, however, that like drive of like, if you have a child, like, you are important to that child. And I, so I understand that drive of her. So I yeah. thought that was the more profound...
1: Yeah. Part of that at, at face value, I kind of dislike that. Like her end goal was to uh was to like essentially like reclaim like that motherhood, and I'm like, oh, it feels a little bit reductive, but it makes sense in the in the whole scheme of Yennefer's arc, especially taking place after she had failed to save the baby of the one of her um, right like clients or you know um, people that she was yeah. working to protect. So I think like it made sense, but I do and it was just something that like at face value it's like oh okay but then like it actually makes sense in terms of like her arc and like where she came where how she came about that like 30 years later
2: yeah agreed and you know she can't have children but you know she doesn't know but she's about to have a princess for a daughter so everything is going to be fine Yennefer. you're going to get a really great daughter
0: i really cool. love princess I'm here, glad...
2: you guys. yeah
0: i'm glad i'm glad we talked about that because I I just wanted to like I wanted to get your guys' opinion on that because like I thought I mean I thought it was like a well like I like Jennifer's storyline but I just wanted to make sure like is this being is this is this bad like is this problematic but I'm glad it seems to be not. Um, I also
2: like I think I think it's it's telling that it was much more uncomfortable for you to watch than it was for us to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I, th- I, mean, I think yeah, that's telling. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. Um not yeah. about you, Willoughby, but uh, about society. Not about you,
2: Willoughby, but just but just in general, like the gender the gender dynamics of that and the fact oh, that yeah. like women we've we've had to learn to be learn about that, about our bodies and the way our bodies are treated, like our whole lives. So it's like it is I think it's actually really interesting and important that we're having this discussion and that the show did depict it the way it did. Um, because it prompts conversations like these.
0: Yeah. Um, because uh, I've seen I've seen organs, you know, like in fantasy shows, like a heart or like a liver, but <laughs> n- not n- not the uterus. Not um, the uterus. No. Um. Uh. Okay. So Geralt of Rivia is a
2: soft boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's
0: he's a, he's a Ferrero Rocher. Um. He's got a, he, he's, a, he's got he's some got nuts got a heart on the outside. And then he's he's, he's got the nuts on the outside. And then on the inside, he's a soft hazelnut spread. Um, But he's, I I like Geralt because, and this is going back to the Shrek metaphor. He's got layers like an onion, like ogres. Um, Because at first you start and you're just like, oh, who is this boring, broody, oh, I'm a mutant monster hunter. And then you sort of get, you know, more into his past and you get to see, that he's that the uh, myth or legend of a witcher not having emotions is false um and that you do see that he does have emotions he's very much like wolverine and in, in that way where like it he's sort of got like this berserker energy behind him bubbling under the surface at all times and um and also can still feel love and passion and uh you know he's not like a soulless husk that i think the legends of the Witcher uh, of Witchers sort of per- permeate throughout the beginning of the series. You sort of see that break down, and it, I, I love the two of both of Geralt and Yaskir. Um, I Yaskir's introduction really sort of was I would I don't want to say breath of fresh air because it have only been one episode, but the first episode was very, very much like this is gonna be a brooding show, and there's gonna be action, and there's gonna be slaughter and then yaskier the bard comes with his songs and you're just like oh my gosh what is this show and you sort of get like the kind of tonal shift of of like yaskier sort of yeah he he brings that tonal shift of the show where it can be fun it can be uh silly but also still high fantasy and still like high drama um and the and like the two of them b- bouncing off i agree that like Geralt is best when he's talking to someone else uh, and if that someone else has, like, a competing personality or, like, a a, a personality that uh, just, like, is not his own. Uh, so it's really fun to see, like, Yennefer, uh and him uh, talk and, like, um, you know, compare brooding um, and also Yaskier is just fun to, like, sort of, like, poke at Geralt's, like, uh, armor of emotion. Um, I think
2: Geralt is way less brooding than people are depicting him to be. I mean, I, very much in the beginning of the show, he's very broody. In, like, episode one. Right. But, like, and, and you, you learn and the fact that he has emotions and that he has, like a, mora- uh, like, a moral center very quickly. And he's also very forthcoming as a character. Like, I I thought, I, I don't really see what people are seeing in episode one because... At, when I, when you first meet him and I was like, Oh boy, he's going to get real tiring real fast. And then he starts talking and he keeps talking and he's not this like silent, like brooding type. He's stoic, but he's talkative and he'll answer your questions. And he really loves his horse. And like, I, I just don't see this Geralt that people are describing. Cause I think, I think they did a really smart thing where I think they showed how human he really is, like, very early on. And I think, despite the fact that you see him through other people's eyes and how people see witchers, like, you know, like, Geralt is the one pining for Yennefer and trying to get, and trying to be with Yennefer, and Yennefer's the one pushing him away. And, like... I also really love Geralt's scenes with um, Queen Calanthe, who I think is one of the best characters of the season and mm-hmm. his, his, you know, his scenes with Mouse Sack and the fact that he has friends and I don't know, I'm, I'm so confused why I have such a different view of Geralt than everyone else does. Cause I see him as this actually very soft, like, you know, prickly, but like forthcoming and emotional and like honorable man and everyone's just like, oh, brooding and darkness and gruff. And I'm like, yeah, but not really, really. I,
0: I, I mean, maybe I'm laying it on thick and it's more of like the memification of it all. But, but he does start out as like a sort of standard brooding main character. And I must I do agree. Like he, he, he does have complex emotions and those emotions are shown very early. Um, But I I think that uh, like, I, I think that archet- the archetype of his character is sort of what I'm referencing, and the, the actual character of Geralt is shown throughout the series.
2: Right, but um, that's what's so great is that he doesn't actually fit the archetype as neatly as you think he does.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's sort of... I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm doing just like a shorthand trying to... He, just actually,
2: you, you mentioned Wolverine. He reminds me a lot more of Aragorn than Wolverine. I think he's, I think he's much less... like gruff, then he just reminds me, he reminds me so much more of everyone because you see how much he cares so quickly. Like, he does not he is really bad at hiding his emotions and pretending he doesn't have an emotional stake in things. Like, the thing with the cursed princess. Like, he says he's, like, doing things for jobs and for money because that's what witchers do. But, like, then he ends up actually, like, wanting to save the princess and, like, caring about the man the men who have wronged her and, like, taking a very moral stance on it. And... I oh yeah, yeah I'm not disputing I, think, I part, mean I think no. I'm
1: on the side actually of Willoughby where I think he is a little bit more stoic than uh than like I, I think it comes down to Henry Cavill's performance which I actually think is really great but his performance is a lot more stoic and um and unpenetrable, impenetrable than like Uh, than you would think at least like I think a lot of this is kind of like we see what his actions bring forth but I think a lot of uh, Geralt's actual expressions and the way he reacts to things is quite um, like held back it's very like reserved so I do think that like it comes down to like henry cavill's really gruff performance which i i think is great and actually lends to like a lot of the comedy and to it but i do think that his performance is a lot more held back than like his actions would make gerald's like uh, would make gerald's um sort of thoughts appear to be you know what i mean so interesting no yeah.
2: i no i find henry cavill very warm in this mm-hmm. show i find him extremely warm and extremely welcoming as a hero and Yes, he's gruff, but I don't know. I know it's exactly Henry Cavill's performance that makes me feel like Geralt is is a lot softer than people make him out to be. Yes, I, I agree. He's stoic, he's gruff, but I think Henry Cavill imbues him with such a sense of 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 warmth and heroism and morality that I don't I yeah, I I don't I don't see this character i mean i think we're all talking about the same character and just yeah. different layers and sides of him but like i yeah. see him you're looking
0: I, you're looking at the at the at the smaller levels of the onion that are a little bit more tasteful but like we're talking we're looking at it from sort of the the outside where you still have to kind of unwrap it
2: yeah i think um. i'm also like i'm also a little biased because i went in and like immediately i was like oh god gerald's gonna be so insufferable he's gonna be so quiet and gruff and annoying and then even in episode one for me, he immediately like rejected those those like ideas and I was like, Oh, you are not the character I thought you were gonna be and I actually really love you and you're actually just a soft boy who wants to do the correct things and I love that and he's a very good boy. That I I Geralt know I think that's I Rivia. think
0: that you, you have a you have a very fair assessment of him and and latching onto his character very early on. I think maybe I'm looking at the show from a macro level, um, yeah, I think that like you're, you you like have ge- affection for him too, said.
1: Anya. So like it kind of like gives his overall oh yeah. <laughs> because he has such I a strong am... affection for him. It gives his overall performance more warmth, I think, than like us who you know like him oh, yeah. but don't like love him. Definitely would see biased. Him as... Yeah,
2: <laughs> I am definitely biased because I'm like because literally his first episode, he starts talking with that daughter, and like that's the Im- that's the moment I fell in love with gerald Was when he's walking with the innkeeper's daughter, and he's like having a conversation with her, and he's actually like again very forthcoming and kind of witty and I was like oh no I love him look at him like adopting this child and then I learned that he gets to have a princess for a daughter and I was like oh no and this princess wants to fight and she's strong and resilient and runs away and I was like oh no oh oh no he's just a father with a rebel princess daughter and I have a lot of feelings about it so yes I immediately was like oh no Carol's a soft boy so I am also very biased (laughs) Do not trust anything I say in this episode.
1: (laughs) But you make good points, Anya. Yeah, no, no. Like
0: I don't disagree per se. I just think that maybe I, I, like, I I think that I'm. Yeah, I'm looking at the show from more of a macro level. Mm
1: -hmm. um, Right, and also I can't
2: be objective. Like I, it's like (laughs) get me to talk about like fucking like Ben Solo or someone. Like I cannot be objective anymore with these like. Little like these sad good boys. Like I love them all so much. They're all so good and they're all so sad. And I just want to give them all hugs. Except
0: so... for Brad Pitt and Ad Astra. Anyway. Uh,
2: <laughs> okay, but he fucking made his bed. He's lying it. You know. He's um,
1: great in that movie, so... yeah,
2: Anyway. So, um...
1: in that movie. So, okay.
0: So we've talked. We've talked a lot about Yaskier as well as like kind of in relation to Geralt. Um. So uh, and we've talked. Do we want to talk more about Yennefer? Let's talk about or... Yennefer. Um, yes. Yennefer of Vangabus. Yes.
1: Um, Vang- that's not right.
0: Yennefer of Vangaburg. Yennefer of Vangaburger. Um, yeah. She's got a very
1: good, cool name. Yennefer of Vengeboys. Um, Yennefer...
0: Yes. It's very much like uh, Jennifer with a Y. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a high and... fantasy name
1: where you put, like, yeah. replace everything with a Y what or if, with a G. What is
0: someone's name what if someone's name was Eddard instead of Edward? Ooh. <laughs> whoa. Um, <laughs> whoa. I uh, or Braun instead of Brian. <laughs> um, so, no, but yeah, and, and then, like, she got, like, a nickname, Yen. because uh, I feel like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, but also, she's a very complex character with humans, human emotions, and she's a witch. Or I guess a mage. She's not really a witch. She's mage. more of a mage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. but it's funny, because then he's a witcher, and... But then he's not a witch. He's how much witch could a witch, 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 if a witch, could witch, 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 witch. Um, but Yennefer of Vengerberg. Uh, she starts out as a, a, a hunchback uh, with uh, a, an abusive father. She's sold off to the mages of something. I don't, like, that's the thing. It's the names of all these places just go out of my head. Yeah, they went over
1: Manger. my head, too. I was like, the world building in this is a little convoluted. But I'm just going to so go with joins, it.
2: Welcome to High she
1: Fantasy the, <laughs> she, she I need a map, family. Anya. The difference right. about High Fantasy is that I love to look at the maps. They didn't give me a map. Right. It's, no, it's a TV the show.
2: The so
0: she So she is, she is sold to the Jedi Order of this organization, of this country. And basically... learn. Yeah, she learns that she has magic powers. She is quarter elf. Um, and basically goes on this journey of self discovery and and uh f- female empowerment and becomes her own person and eventually is very much a powerful mage um and makes decisions for herself instead of uh her mage um what, what, like what was her like title the the woman that sort of like was in charge of all the mages i can't remember if she had like a yes
2: like her teacher
0: yes her teacher
2: Jennifer's y- uh, teacher is
0: Tissaia Tissaia so and so like she comes back um and is very much like in in charge of her own being uh she's got a very cool arc and I like her a lot what about you guys
1: yeah I I, I really liked Yennefer um where Geralt was Um, someone whose emotions were very buried deep beneath him and uh, had a very internal arc I felt like everything with Yennefer was just external and outside and very loud and big but I loved how complex and flawed she was despite being sort of like the underdog character coming from being abused by her family as well as being treated basically as a subhuman um, individual because of her hunchback and her awkwardness uh, finding empowerment through magic, and then find, using that to sort of transform herself into the person that she wanted to be, and then finding that that person she wanted to be was still disf- dissatisfying to her it was a really interesting arc to me. And I, I was it really pulled me through this entire series, and I, I I really enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, I, I really, I really love how complex she is, and which is something that you very rare to find in a female character in high fantasy, where they're often relegated especially in Game of Thrones, to being, like, the mother or the maiden or the, the, like, the Madonna. Sorceress. yeah exactly
2: yeah all these tropes all these tropes and Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones never really dove much more into it
1: no and I I will say like one of my favorite parts about The Witcher is like how complex the female characters are and how they can be unlikable and how they can be flawed and yet still have redeeming qualities about themselves I will say that I do think that like Ciri could use a little bit more characterization I found her to be a little bit lacking in terms of the main three four characters but Yennefer really just blew me out of the water
2: yeah, I agree. I think Jennifer is really beautiful. And I love that she's not necessarily always a good person. Mm-hmm. I love that, you know, um, the choices she makes as an adult, um, while you can understand them in the context of her life, they're not always excused just because she was abused. It's not, you know, she's not given a free pass to make unsavory decisions just because of the things she's gone through. And that sometimes she is not a great person and that sometimes you can disagree with her and, you know, find her selfish and find her, you know, uh, cruel. Um, and while you understand all these things, you also know that they're not excused. And that's what I love about her is that she is so complex, like you said, H.T. And, you know, she has so many different sides to her. Um, and that, you know, you can you can see... That, that's why I love, like, she really falls for Geralt. They fall for each other. And when she learns about the wish he made with the djinn... And she instantly feels betrayed by him because, you know, for once, she wanted someone's feelings for her to be completely genuine and just about her and not her position, not her power, nothing like that. And so, you know, the sense of betrayal she feels in that moment is very palpable um, and understandable, even though, like, we know it's not true. We know Geralt's true feelings and, like, his true heart, Mm -hmm. It's understanding why she would immediately become suspicious of him. And I just think she's really beautiful.
1: Inside and I, love and out. I
2: love... She is. She is. Yeah. And I think that's another thing about this show. Is I think just the female characters are all really wonderful. And again, the fact that we get women of color. Uh, Lauren Schmidt has already said Fringilla will play a much bigger role in season two. We're going to get some of her past and what led her to Nilfgaard. Um, and, you know, what led her to the very different path that she found herself on opposite Yennefer. Um, I know that, like, Siri will become a bigger character in season two, just in the fact that she's now with Geralt and, like, her destiny is is opening up to her. I really love Ciri. I adore her. I think she is, she is precious and, and headstrong and wonderful, and I love her little elf boyfriend, Dara. Um, and, like I said, I love Queen Calanthe. I think she is a fascinating character and Pavetta series mom and her like love story with um Dooney which I thought was really Sonic the lovely Sonic the Hedgehog the Night, I I loved that I thought Pavetta and Dooney were so oh, cute
1: yeah. oh yeah Sonic the Hedgehog the Knight I- <laughs> yeah that's true
2: yeah the cursed and, dude yeah that's fast. yeah
1: Series
2: series parents
1: um
2: so, yeah, I just, I, I'm so... It, it it sucks that, like, just having women in a show like this is enough to get me excited, but I'm so used to fantasy having no women because it has, for two it's been a white boys club. Um, and so the fact that there are so many women in this show and that they occupy so many different types of roles is very exciting to me.
0: Um, I was... When I saw, when I was watching the show and I saw Queen Calanthe in the armor, I was like, oh, oh Anya's gonna love this.
2: <laughs> Calanthe and Ice, I love the two of them. Like, I'm so sad that they're both like dead at you know at points in the timeline, but like Ice is also so fun and I love how much he encourages Ciri. Um But yeah, Calanthe in that armor, uh, the fact that she like storms into her own party like fresh from battle, and I was like, yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, I especially Hello. liked Queen Calanthe too because she's so ruthless and mm-hmm. um, so kind of so cruel sometimes too. And I actually, I very much like that she wasn't an outright villain because of like these uh, uh, attributes that are usually given to villains. And she is, you know, someone who is a, a character you can root for and yet is so inherently unlikable and so cruel. And I, I really enjoyed that fascinating sort of um, dichotomy in her.
2: Yeah, and she's a lot like say in that regard. I mean, the fact that Tissaia, the you know, a calling Jennifer like Piglet when she's first at the the school for mm-hmm. mages
1: and stuff, and like she, not calling her by her name. She negs her for like the entirety of her her pupilhood. Yeah,
2: and and you know, it's it's frustrating, you know, to watch. But by the end, you really love say and you love say and Jennifer's relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think again, right, the women in the show are complicated and they're not just strokes of fantasy tropes and there are a lot more than that and I think that's really and again the fact that it is this show is led by a woman I think you know people can scoff all they want at the idea of like diversity and quotas and all that but like it makes a difference like having people with these different backgrounds and their voices uh, leading shows like really makes a difference like this show would look so wildly different if it were run by a man that's and true. Think, it would be you know. much
0: more, be much more like sort of the stereotypical high fantasy show I think right. we we we've come to know, with right, exactly. like probably a, unfortunately probably a lot more sexual assault, um, for, and like sex exploitation, uh sex uh, uh sex sex position that's the word.
1: Yeah, that's the um, the Game of Thrones from, famous term. Yes. Yeah.
0: So I think that,
1: yeah, I think it's wonderful
0: that this show sort of exists in the way it does, um, and is much more complex and deep than I think, um, it would have been if it was run by a man. There, I said it. Yeah, I could stand up for women. I'm not a
1: mis- <laughs> Um We don't think you are, Willoughby.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I so my thoughts on Siri, I sort of agree with UHT that I think that she sh- could have more characterization and probably season 2 will have that. Um I think just because a lot of her storyline and this was sort of running away from the bad guys. Um and I think and the, and then she, you know, she was able to like figure out that Mouse Sack was not Mouse Sack. And by the way, there's a character named Mouse Sack. Have <laughs> we not talked about this yet? There's a character there named Mouse Sack. And they try their best to not call him Massack. They do like Mazak. Mm, what? Are, how are you? And they're like, no, it's Moussack. Um And yeah, so like she's able to like discover that he's being—he's like a doppelganger and not his true self. Um, and I like that you know, her and Dara have a have a complicated relationship because he's an elf and she's a human and elves are like second-class citizens or treated as such in this show which is sort of different than what we've usually seen with high drama high fantasy where it's usually like the elves are majestic race they they are not to be Mm -hmm. touched and they are off on their own rivendell like planet and but the elves here are just like yeah we have a kingdom and we've been like pushed out of it what the hell um and i find they're sort of like uh the the way that elves are treated in this uh show is sort of interesting and and different um and uh like we get like the king of the elves who has like been like exiled and like and like has to and garyl is like take back your kingdom dude and he's like i will yes thank you Mm, yes uh and so siri i i i like that she's sort of you know she she does want to be her own person and and want to fight and want to like combat injustice and get and seek vengeance for the death of her grandparents and the death of her kingdom uh and we'll find that hopefully with Geralt and Yennefer of Vangabars um and yeah no I the I, I I want the found family more in season two like Anya you talk about what you've seen in season one but I sort of don't see it fully with what you're saying, but I do want that. What more. do you mean? Uh, the like we only get the one shot of Geralt
2: and Siri. so yeah. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying that we we that it, it exists in season one yet, but it's going to exist, and I cannot wait for mommy and daddy Geralt and Yennefer, and right. their Princess hey, like, daughter.
0: Like I want. I want that, but we haven't really yeah. seen no, it. No, so we I, haven't seen like,
2: any of it. But it's happen. It's gonna right. happen.
0: Right. So. I just wanted
2: to make sure we were like.
0: I was like, am I missing
1: something? No, I it definitely seen? just like happens um, in like the final shot. And she's like, Where's Jennifer? And that was it.
2: <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Princess Siri no, running I, into her dad's arms.
0: Ugh emotion. No, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. But I, I just wanted to like I was like, I couldn't have sworn they didn't meet until the very end. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, that's that's gonna be very exciting. Um and yeah, I think that's that we've sort of touched on the themes a lot especially yeah. with yannifer Gerald um well, and the plot say, I, it's based...
2: it, well, yeah. I was gonna say one of the themes that i really like in this show um i like a lot of the themes i think some of them you know are very traditional fantasy like choice and destiny and fate um and i really like how they're all done in this show um i do really like the exploration of prejudice in this show and how it is depicted in so many different ways like you have Geralt and how people view witchers but you also have the way Yennefer's been treated in her life you see it in smaller plots like when Geralt was sent to kill that one monster it's like in the second episode or something and he's not actually a monster at all he's actually a very intelligent creature and he's been aiding some elves and that's when you learn about like the genocide basically that was committed against elves, and yeah. that I find really interesting, especially because what you were saying, Willoughby, how elves are normally the very ethereal, like respected, you know. High powered like beings in fantasy stories, like but untouchable
0: this, creatures, right? That yeah. they're, they're like almost angels in a way,
2: yeah. And in this, it's the exact opposite, and I find that very interesting. And you know, people's the fact that when you first meet Dara, he's wearing a hat because he doesn't want to show the fact that he is an elf, um, and you know, Yennefer's realization when she realizes she's quarter elf, and so I think it's really interesting the way that like the show actually explores marginalized people and prejudice in in the continent and again that the cast itself is so diverse and that, you know, elves can be can be not so good or black bear that people of colour certainly black people in this show that I've noticed, you know, they can be like uh, nem uh adversaries like Fringilla, but they can also be good guys like Dara and the fact that like no one is subjected to like being a stereotype in this show and I really
0: love that. Um,
2: yeah. Uh, is
0: there anything else we want to talk about the show? Do we want to talk about any? I mean, like, we sort of talked about the plot. There's really sort of just, like, the three timelines with Garal on his own journey. They're all on their own journeys, and they eventually meet. And there's this, like, oncoming storm of a new kingdom of Nilfgaard, aided by Fringilla, who, you know, and they're, like, after, like, total world domination sort of deal. Um and we're gonna see probably more of that in season two is there anything else that you guys want to talk about about the witcher
1: toss a coin to your witcher i such think such a good song such a good song i think yeah I, I don't really have anything to add i do i don't want to like end it on a, a sour note because i do think some of the writing is weak um and a little clunky but i do think that the characters really pull through for the series and what make in there what there's they're what makes the show so watchable. Um, and um I am looking forward to seeing some more of that in the second season and just kind of seeing the characters finally uh together in that found family unit that they've been kind of teasing for this whole thing. So I yeah, that's um I think The Witcher is fun a fun series with a great song and some great characters. And um I I can't wait to toss a coin to my Witcher. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Agreed.
0: Uh, Anya, I have a question for you because you seem okay. the most heavily invested in all of in <laughs> the in of it all. Do you think you'll go back and read the books, the short stories or play any of the video games?
2: Um I've already bought Witcher 3 cuz I heard <laughs> that, that one is uh the best and right. I know that that one is a lot about the trio of Geralt, Yennefer and Ciri. Um so I bought it. I had not started playing it. Um, it was on sale, so I just like bought it and was like, okay, when I get the time, it'll be there for me to play. Um, so I do plan to play The Witcher Three. I don't know if I'll play the first two. Um, I'll see how I like the third one. Um, and I have been toying with the idea of reading the books. Yes, I have a whole stack of books that I need to read. So are they, I'm.
1: Are they translated? Because I feel like they weren't. A lot of them weren't translated. Because I feel I don't know if like they were that popular until the video game came out.
2: Well, I think they've been translated since. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be good and read the books that I currently own that are a giant stack on my nightstand. Oh my God. I have so many books on my nightstand. Um, and trying to be good and like follow rules and like read all those before I pick up any new things, either (laughs) at the library or buying them. I'm very bad with books. I want to own all the books. Um, so I, yes, I would like to read the books one day to answer your question, um, but I, I'm gonna show restraint
1: for now. We'll see how long that lasts.
0: Sounds good. Um,
1: all, all right. I think that wraps up our discussion on The Witcher. So let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. I really, 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 really like you. I okay. Willoughby, why don't you start us off this week? What do you really like?
0: So I'm sort of debating between two things. I'm Okay, yeah. I saw Jojo Rabbit, and I very much liked that. It was a very good movie. I'm glad I finally watched it before the Oscars. Um, it, Taika Waititi is the master director. It's very good. Meanwhile, uh, I'm back on my Star Wars bullshit, guys. Uh, it's not I was bullshit, very tired. Willoughby. I was very tired from like the discourse of the rise of Skywalker and all of that and the competing opinions on the film and sort of the re litigation of the last Jedi versus, and then also versus the rise of Skywalker. And we've talked about it on the podcast. We've all read all the tweets and everything. And so I'm I was sort of like star Wars doubt for a little bit. And then this week, the trailer for the final season of Star Wars, the Clone Wars uh, was released and I watched it and and I immediately started rewatching the Clone Wars from the very beginning and I'm in season two right now. And the show is so good. I very much love it. We've talked about, I mean, we've done a bunch of Star Wars stuff on the podcast, but I think Clone Wars is a very interesting beast in that it is sort of this transition point between George Lucas helming the show and then taking it and then Disney taking it and Dave Filoni ha- having like was very much a showrunner of the Clone Wars and sort of George Lucas's Padawan learner. In that case, um, we got the like Clone Wars has treated us to such characters such as Ahsoka Tano, who is Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. She became a very she became a very uh, fan favorite of, I think, like the prequel saga era um we got captain rex a lot of the clones have these incredible personalities that you get to learn and, and and see and have them grow uh and you get more anakin and obi-wan you get sort of a you you the the clone war succeeds where the prequels fall whereas you see the characters as as what they should have been and the execution of the show is much better than the prequels the writing is stronger the characterizations are better the acting is better um and so you get an Anakin Skywalker that you don't really get to see in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and so like a lot of a lot of the fandom fandoms love for characters such as Anakin or, you know, uh, yeah, pretty much just Anakin is much more redeemed in the eyes of the Clone Wars instead of Hayden Christensen and. Um, and you see like the depths of that character and it makes the tragedy of Darth Vader all the more compelling in my mind's eye. Um, and so, yeah, I love the Clone Wars. It's a very good show. I haven't actually done a full re- rewatch ever because it was it, w- it was um, it's very much not in order. Uh, George Lucas was like, yeah, it's going to be more of an anthology show. So like they did. There's no real like overarching plot with like a set of characters that go. I mean, they do go through growth is sort of the main point on that but um there's a lot of sh- a lot of episodes that are just about clones that you only get to meet like once or twice and the way that they did that is they sort of had they just did like an out of order out of sequence episode order and so a couple years ago starwars.com released the full uh chronological list of episodes and so i've taken that i took that list color-coded it for my own sake and uh, have, have been going off of that list and not the episode order that's on uh, Disney Plus or like the the uh, release order. So it's uh, it's actually much more compelling this way because you see the growth of certain characters from the beginning instead of meeting them in season three. And, <laughs> and then having to go back to season two and be like, why is this character like this? And then you learn later on, but it's much more fulfilling watching it in chronological order. Star Wars The Clone Wars. It's on Disney+. Plus. It is very good. You can skip the movie, even though it introduces Ahsoka. Uh, you can watch the first 20 minutes of the movie. Uh, it is a, it is not good. Uh, <laughs> but, but other than that, the, the TV show is very excellent, especially in the later seasons when they get into more uh, complex plot arcs, uh, such as The Return of Darth Maul.
1: Alright.
0: Um,
1: yeah. yeah, that's Clone me. Clone Wars! All right, Anya, what's your the like this week? So my really like is Disney's
2: uh, experimental short film program, uh, Short Circuit. And so this is a program that Disney is doing where they are experimenting with different animation styles, different storytelling, and creating short films uh, in this program. Um, And they released 14 of the short films on Friday on Disney+. And each one has like a little intro from the director about the inspiration behind the short. And then they play the short. The shorts are all about a minute and a half to two minutes. So they are very short. Um, but they are all extremely charming and incredibly beautiful. And you can clearly see the talent, uh, that is in these shorts. I'm a little biased towards one because my friend John directed the one lightning in a bottle. Um, and so, yeah. And I'm very, I'm very proud of him for that one. Um, and I have to admit, it's not my favorite, but don't tell him that. Um, I do really oh, love it. It's not a listener
0: of the podcast,
2: <laughs> but there are ones I love more. Um, but I just really love this program because I, I think short short film is a really great way to experiment and to let you know uh, more diverse voices get into storytelling. And what I loved about the, this program was that Disney allowed literally anyone to pitch. You know, PAs, assistants, anyone anyone to pitch a story and so it let people you know who previously were not in so many rooms or did not have that much experience to kind of get experience and to see what it was like and i think the results are just some really beautiful stories and i love seeing so many different voices get to um share you know the stories they have inside them so i really love disney's short circuit program um the 14 shorts uh are on disney plus now
1: all right. Um that's awesome. I I remember Pixar had done the Spark Shorts uh, yes. program. Is that different? It is. Yeah. Okay. So
2: this is this is specifically just Disney. This okay. is not this, no one at Pixar ah. is involved in the short circuit. Gotcha.
1: All right. Cool. Well, my really like this week is a movie I watched catching up for the Oscars. Don't worry. It's not Joker. It's that that's Thank a bad God. movie. Um, but the day after Joker I watched 1917 directed by Sam Mendes and I was blown away by this movie and it definitely washed out the bad taste that Joker left in my mouth afterwards Uh, but 1917 this is the movie uh, directed by Sam Mendes uh, and uh, shot by Roger Deakins and it's been hailed as a technical masterpiece because of its use of uh, the long sequence the long take sequence Um, it's essentially a movie that takes place all in one long shot. There's like some uh, sort of subtle cuts in every now and then, but it really is just like a masterful uh, technical feat in terms of like the blocking, the staging, everything is really gorgeous. Um, but I found it to be more than just a gimmick and more than just like a technical, um, achievement. It's a really, really moving and affecting film that moved me to tears at the end. Um, it's essentially a, pow- a story am sorry about power of just like human conviction and human resilience. Um, it tells the stories of these two soldiers who, uh, during World War One, um, two British soldiers who were sent across, uh, no man's land to deliver a message to one of the, uh, sort of units about to launch an attack against the German soldiers, and to tell the, the message basically tells them to call off the attack because the British soldiers are walking into a trap that would eventually essentially uh, lead to thousands of deaths, um, unnecessary unnecessary deaths. And um, these two soldiers are um, sent and um, are, bra- are braving like this like enemy enemy territory, and um, it's just like they keep. Things keep getting thrown at them, in a way that is like it's almost unfathomable and like torturous, but it's not in the same nihilistic vein that uh, a movie like, say, The Revenant, which um, kind of calls this movie kind of calls to mind in terms of like the both techni- the technical aspect as well as like the idea that like humans can o- can go through so much suffering. But there's a real vein of optimism and um, and hope that comes through 1917 and the idea of just like fam- a human connection and, f- and family connection really driving these characters and it's so so beautiful and just so wonderfully acted and stage and I just like I just was bowled over by this movie and I absolutely adored it um it's more than just you know you know your typical war movie even though it does have uh strains of uh Saving Private Ryan etc it reminded me a lot of of dunkirk in the sort of like the the depth of emotion it really gave me and i find that those kind of movies that inspire in me this emotion of just like um, awe and uh, amazement at like the human spirit uh, are the kind of war movies that really appeal to me so i i absolutely loved 1917 um i think it's really fantastic and i actually would not be mad if it won best picture Because I know right now it's the front runner, and I still am gunning for *Parasite* because it's such more, uh, so much more of a potent and topical and uh, perfect film. But *1917*, it's a good movie, guys.
2: All right,
1: clearly I'm gonna have to check it out. I think you would like it, Anya.
2: I know. I even though it is about like
1: white British men and there should there could be there is more diversity that exists within World War One and there should there are stories that should be told about that but this really is just like a fantastic story that is told so well it's really good I guys. should I should see that in Dunkirk
0: um oh yes definitely this is the long the long-running journey of us trying to get you to watch Dunkirk this really which is, is.
2: <laughs> it's I it's I, believe Dunkirk. You. I believe you I love me some optimism
0: Oh, yes, you would. The scene. Oh man, and the all, scene. it has
1: all your boys. Like Kenneth Branagh is the mo- is like it, it, is like the central character in Dunkirk. Who like his whole performance just moved me to tears. I was crying. It was the first time I cried during a Christopher Nolan movie. And Kenneth Branagh was at the center of it. And I know you love your Branagh. Guys, hey, your
2: Darcy. <laughs> I don't. I don't have strong feelings about james darcy i like him he's
0: fine i I could have sworn you've talked about him before who am Uh, i talking who am i thinking about
2: i don't know he's a fine um um, he's a fine jarvis um but he's he's not yeah he's nothing special to me um (laughs) anyway sorry i i
0: I get my i get my british boys mixed up
1: (laughs) that's Um, fair they all look like by the way andrew scott is also great in 1917 he appears for like Five minutes and I was like I want more oh,
2: of okay but I actually care the only one I actually care about in 1917 is Benedict Cumberbatch oh yeah so.
1: he shows up at the end and he's also great like honestly it's just like a who's who, so who of perfect. character actors and they're all great in it and um okay fine we'll maybe at it. one
2: point I'll do like a double feature of Dunkirk in 1917 that would be a great double yes. feature you'd be like humanity <laughs> I do love humanity humanity <laughs> wartime. You're, yeah. you're like appealing yeah. to me and- I and oh, ma'am.
0: Uh, Anya. All you, right, Anya. I think you'd re- and Tom Hardy in Dunkirk. Oh, that's like that's know. a
1: hard. Oh, oh, Tom Hardy and Tun- Dunkirk too. Oh man, I do love Tom
2: Hardy. Okay, 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 okay. Fine, maybe at some point, maybe one day,
1: <laughs> I will do it um watch in like but, a six months she'll be like you were wrong again it's ad astra all over again <laughs> you no know,
2: i have a feeling all, i i think i will probably like them more than ad astra it's yeah. hard for me to like to dislike a movie as much as i dislike ad astra <laughs> um
1: sad astra, sad bad astra bad astra. astra um
2: <laughs> but for now um that wraps up our episode maybe by the next one i'll have seen a couple more movies maybe not these ones yet but i'll get to them um but if you guys want to chat with us about anything we discussed in this episode like the witcher or any of our really likes including 1917 or the clone wars uh final season trailer or disney's new uh short films come chat with us about any of those and where can they find us willoughby
0: You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com You can rate, review, subscribe, and listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you guys on the internet?
1: You can find me at Tranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenden on Twitter.
0: And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter.
1: Alright, thanks for joining us guys. Bye! Bye!